We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com we were talking yesterday about how da- Damian Lillard won the Teammate of the Year award. Who votes for that? How does anyone know how good of a teammate anyone is unless you're in every building everywhere? Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome back to Stay Hot. I'm Matthew Sponauer, joined as always by Blake and Kirk and Theo Ash. Today we're going to be talking a little bit of NBA awards since those have been coming out recently. Might be talking a little bit of playoffs and some other stuff. Blake and Kirk and Theo Ash, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. I'm wonderful. I love to hear it. Reminder that if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leave us a review. You might read it in a later episode. We got to talk about these NBA awards, though, because... First off, they refuse to release the only one that matters, Rookie of the Year. All the <laughs> other ones, the who cares? The only one that matters. It really is the only one that matters to me. I can't lie. As a Charlotte Hornets fan, it's so rare for one of our players to be in an award race. And now that we've got LaMelo looking like he's going to win it, I'll be honest. I'm pretty confident he's going to win. Uh, it's frustrating that they won't go ahead and drop it. It'll just make it all the better when they do, when it builds up and it's the last award announced and all the other ones have been announced. And then that one gets its own time at the end. And then that's probably going to be the most hotly contested one. So I don't know. I feel like it's going to be worth the wait for you, assuming LaMelo (laughs) wins. I I think LaMelo will win. Matt, do you have a LaMelo jersey by chance? I do not. Fake fan. Uh, my problem with that is that I don't love our current home and away jerseys. I think they're fine. Uh, I liked the city jerseys or whatever they called this year's new jerseys, but I got Miles Bridges instead because okay. um, I felt like, well, it was the start of the season and I didn't yeah. want to jinx LaMelo by getting a jersey of him before he ever no, played a I, game for us. That trust was- me, I understand. I did the same thing with Baker. I waited until after his rookie year was over and then for Christmas I got a... Got myself a Baker jersey. And then after that, he had a terrible You know what, Theo? You know... (laughs) (laughs) What worries me, or not what worries me, but what bothers me about the Rookie of the Year race is that LaMelo's the favorite. I think he's got about 75, 80% chance of winning. And if he does win, people are going to say, oh, it's just the narratives that made him win. It's just a popularity contest. That makes no sense. First off, the award races aren't a popularity contest. 
We just saw Jokic win MVP and Rudy Gobert win Depoy. They don't care about popularity. <laughs> if you want to talk about popul- if it was a popularity contest, Derrick Rose would have won MVP. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> He's the Derrick Rose got a first place MVP vote of literally just because of the fans. And I, I have this theory that most fans did not know that they could vote for the MVP. And that su- and that's why Derrick Rose got that first place vote was because not enough people actually voted. So it was like if you had like a thousand people vote and they just all happened to be Knicks fans or whatever, I just or maybe they Knicks were fans Bulls fans. Crazy with it. Yeah, I, I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we can get more into fans voting and the way fans <laughs> vote the way that they do. But I mean, Derrick Rose is definitely one of the players that fans tend to rally around and really root for so that's fair there's definitely there was definitely there, there was definitely there was definitely some narrative some movement out there circulating that they found out you could vote for mvp <laughs> and i'm sure there was some in circles that i'm probably not a part of there was a big yeah. push for rose um but i don't know if like just the i, I don't know if if the demographic of NBA fans voting for MVP were clearly the very online Twitter ones because those are the kind of people who just vote, vote as a for joke Derek for Rose. players they think are either cool or funnier. And it's, just, it's been this way forever. And it will only change if we have a year where the MVP gets decided on the fan vote. Can you imagine if there's a season where it's super, super close and then the fan vote does some something weird like this and it changes yeah. the outcome, they'd never let it happen again. Yeah, no, exactly. They won't strip the fan vote. I mean, I don't understand how... I mean, if it was a really close race and the fan vote w- went either to either of the candidates it could be, it wouldn't matter because it was a close race. It was a toss-up, so whoever they vote wouldn't matter. And if they voted for some random player like Derrick Rose, they would just ban him right now because that's what just happened. So I don't (laughs) think they'll ever take, I think they like the fan interaction. I don't think they care that the fans vote for some wacky, funny pick that they all think is hilarious, but fan votes just get on my nerves so much. And so do player votes really, because players, I don't think players are any better because players have a lot of, there's no one more biased than players when it comes to voting for other players. I mean, they're going to they're oh, yeah. vote for their teammates. They're going to vote for their friends. I mean, the NFL 100 list comes yeah, out Yeah, I was about year. to say, the NFL 100 yeah, list the is The NFL 100 like list is so and oca- bad. And occasionally, I mean, it's I like the NFL 100 um, list because I really like the, the videos they throw together on all the players. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, those. No, it, it, it's a but cool the, the actual list is questionable. And sometimes they'll release like uh, one player's individual ballot I remember they did that one year and like Brett Grimes was listed as a top five player in the league. It's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder whose list this could be like, or like well, they did another one. It was like all AFC South players like Marlon Mack was like above Aaron Donald or something. It's like, oh, I wonder if this player is a AFC South player. Like it's players shouldn't vote. Fans shouldn't vote. It should be. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, you'll always see them and it'll be players on their own team and then players that they play in the division twice a year that they know. Um, And part of part of me likes that. I think it's kind of fun to see Marlon Mack as a top five player in the league (laughs) on someone's list. I think they know that it's not Marlon Mack isn't actually a top five player in the league. They're just voting him high because they want him to get more points and have a better chance of being on the list. Maybe there's some playing the system there, but no, I 100% agree. NFL Top yeah, the, 100 hasn't been reliable since they put Cam Newton as a number one player. <laughs> was was that the last reliable season? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> Matt, of course you love Cam Newton. It's just like fan voting and player voting just like as a whole doesn't bode well. Like I think it's cool when with the sake of like the Nickelodeon thing with the Bears, the MVP with like Mitchell Trubisky. Like that was funny and that was cool. But when we're talking about something that like people use to rank all-time players, like MVPs and stuff that actually matter, Pro Bowls, even though like we all know Pro Bowls really aren't don't mean that much because of the fan vote. 
Um, but when we start like you, letting fans and players vote for stuff that matters long term for someone's legacy, I think that that becomes a problem. My opinion on accolades has kind of changed. It's not that they don't matter. It's that they're unreliable. Like if a guy has four all pros, you should totally judge his career based on how many all pros he has. As long as he deserved four all pros, if he deserved less, you should take that into account. If he deserved more, you should take that into account. So it's awards are good to go off of as long as you can look back and think that they're right. Yeah. And it should just be analysts deciding these things, in my opinion. It should be like media, like you people who get paid to analyze the game should be analyzing the all pro because there's no bias there. There's there's they have the knowledge to make a good pick. Don't don't fans also have a vote? I I think in the NFL at least for the Hall of Fame. I don't think they do. I, I'm I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure fans have some sort of input on who, on, or at least on Hall of Fame nominees. Maybe not on who actually gets in, but on nominations, I believe they do have some input. Yeah, I now that you mentioned that, I do remember some voting for that coming out, but I they'd have no um, they have no impact on who actually like of the nominees gets in but i do think i do remember them voting for the nominees in some capacity i just remember people were saying that they wanted ryan fitzpatrick to make a pro bowl just so they could nominate him for the hall of fame yeah i'm sure and yeah anyway back to the nba awards because that's what we were talking about before that that (laughs) quite the sidetrack but yeah i mean Lamelo and Anthony and Anthony Davis, not Anthony, da- Anthony Edwards is an interesting. Like it kind of mirrors the Rookie of the Year voting last year when John Morant, um, and it was John Morant and Zion. Just because I feel like Anthony Edwards' case comes because Lamelo was hurt, and it's an interesting question and one that was raised last year is like, what is the cutoff for if one player plays the whole season and one player plays, you know, only some of it? How much does that get taken into account like last year i think zion was the best rookie i thought that he was looked better as a player than ja morant did and zion didn't win but this year it looks like lamello is going to win even though he missed a big chunk of the season so that's yeah, it's kind of interesting i think it though, kind of depends difference. on how much better someone is and how much time and he I, missed. I i don't know yeah and how much time he missed and i don't know if zion last year was like so astronomically better than than John Morant. I mean, maybe, you know, I I wasn't like fully invested in the Rookie of the Year awards last year, but from from my knowledge, I I wouldn't I don't know if I would say that it was like a big enough gap to be like, yeah, no, it's fine. You can. I thought Zion when he came back was pretty clearly better than Ja as a player. Like I thought that he was yeah. like if you were looking at it last year, the best rookie, the best player was Zion, but the best rookie season was Ja, and they gave yeah. it to Ja. So that's. It depends on, like, again, how you look at it. And if yeah. you look at it from a, uh, a cumulative season, yeah, you probably give it to job. But if you look at it from who is the better player, so I guess that kind of depends. Right, and then it's kind of the same deal this year where maybe Anthony Edwards had the better rookie season because he didn't miss any of it. I don't know, Matt, what are, what, are your, what are your thoughts to people, to Anthony Edwards fans who would say Anthony had the better rookie year because he didn't miss any time? I've tried to be very like, I don't know, unbiased about this because Anthony Edwards is legitimately going to be a great player. Um, He's developed so quickly as a scorer. And I'm assuming that the shots are going to continue to fall more and more often. He'll get more efficient. But he's not rookie of the year. And if you're a Timberwolves fan out there, I know for a fact that most of you guys are going to convince yourself that he lost because he's not popular. Anthony Edwards is very popular. He was the number one overall pick. The reason why he's not going to win the award is because he was bad for the first half of the season. He was one of the worst players in the league. From an efficiency standpoint, from uh, an advanced statistics standpoint, he was terrible the first half of the season. And that's fine. That's kind of the idea with some of these rookies. They're going to be really rough coming out of the gate. They're going to be really rough. You know, okay, yeah, Anthony Edwards is going to take more shots than he should. I think he had more shots than points before the All-Star break or close to it. And that's, fi- that's how the Timberwolves should have handled it because obviously giving him all those shots and letting him be inefficient worked for the team or for Anthony Edwards long term. But you can't turn around and then tell me 
that the reason why Anthony Edwards should win the award is because he had the better season or he played more games. If we're looking at it from the full season, who had just the better season standpoint, then we're not going off who was better at the end of the season. We're going off who was better throughout the entire year. And I'd rather have a LaMelo Ball who misses 20 games than an Anthony Edwards who's going to be rough for the first half of the year. I think you have to look at it through the like lens of if you were a team that was trying to win games, which rookie would you want on your team? And I'd take LaMelo Ball missing 20 games, being better, quicker out of the gate. I know he wasn't immediately great, but I'd take uh, LaMelo over Anthony Edwards in that situation. What do you think of, this is old, but like players who missed their entire, like Ben Simmons missed his entire rookie year and then won rookie of the year the following year. I, I, I always go back and forth on what I think of that. I would say, what I get, what are your thoughts on, on Matt that and I were actually rule? talking about this a couple of days ago. And it's like, it's not necessarily a problem. I, I think if some, I almost want them to implement that into the NFL. There's the there's the argument of, oh, well, they get professional level coaching, so they're not really a rookie anymore. But they haven't played in the NBA. And I think if you don't play, if you don't get to play your rookie year, that's, and it's like, you know, due to injury, like if you uh, if you sit your rookie year, that's one thing. But if you get hurt, I don't know. I it, it's kind of a tough discussion. Yeah, I don't like it. I think that it takes like, I think being in an NBA facility for an entire year gives you some sort of advantage. It's probably not huge, yeah, but just no, being around NBA players and NBA coaches and being in NBA facilities over, I mean, some guys are coming out of college out of, you know, Mitchell State. Like it's <laughs> it's. It's a big difference, and it's a it's a advantage in my eyes. And I but don't. But is is there that significant of a difference coming out of like Georgetown? There is versus, a difference. Yes, it, Georgetown like is very different than the NBA. Anywhere is different than the NBA. Like it's it's an advantage, and it, it's not your rookie year. You got hurt your rookie year, and now you're not a rookie anymore, and it sucks, sure. and it might be unfair. But like you have still been in the NBA for a year, you're not a rookie anymore. So here's, here's I don't my like question. That. You know how you'll see like rookie pranks and the rookies have to do this and this and this on the team. You know, that type of stuff like, Oh, you got to do my laundry. You're the rookie. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you when Ben Simmons, the year that Ben Simmons won rookie of the year, they weren't making him do that stuff because they wouldn't consider him a rookie after that. That's so right. if the guys in the, I, I guess that's a dumb that's way fair. of looking at it. But the guys <laughs> no, in the, no, yeah. no, you're not a rookie. You've been here for a year. You are, you have been, you've learned the game. You've had a year to learn the game plan, learn what the coaches want, learn, you know, what they expect from you, learn, you know, playbook, whatever, like you have been there for a year, you know, all your teammates, you have maybe not chemistry with them because you haven't been out there, but you know, everyone, like everyone there, you haven't been playing, but you've been right. doing everything else that an NBA player does. And now you're going to step in to year two and still be considered on the same level as a guy who has never met any of these guys before. It's different and it shouldn't be, a, it shouldn't be a rule, but anyway, on to the other awards. Uh, Matt had a very interesting take. <laughs> on sixth man of the year, which I guess yeah, I've never Matt, thought about before, but I agree with you. Yeah, sixth man of the year is a stupid award. It's so, it's so <laughs> stupid. I get the concept. There is a type of player who will be top five on their team, maybe the best at their position on their team, and still come off the bench because that is just what works best. Like maybe you have somebody who is the energy shot creator, creates the offense off the bench guy. But most of the guys who come off the bench aren't like that. Most players off the bench are just not that good. Or not saying that bench players are bad, obviously, you know, they're NBA players, but it just means that they weren't good enough to start on their team most likely. So giving out an award with that bizarre qualifier is just weird. It'd be like giving out an award in the NFL for the best number two or number three wide receiver. And I understand the winner, Jordan Clarkson, kind of was one of those, oh, well, he's the energy bench shot creator. But isn't that such a bizarre thing to create a award yeah, for? Yeah, it's because always it's like Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford <laughs> winning, James Harden won one year. It's never, it's never going to be like a center. It's never going to be like a power forward. So it's like your best 
backcourt bench player award. <laughs> like it's I, I almost wonder if it would be better because the the way I see it is when you mentioned James Harden won it, right? James Harden won it and went on to be a superstar. Yes. Right? Maybe the award shouldn't be sixth man of the year. Maybe it should be like most potential. Or something along the lines. That's a line. terrible award. That I, most potential. Just, or like, that would be like, you could have some like <laughs> under, that would just get it to some unperforming high draft pick. Like, okay. I don't know. I, but do you, do you see what I'm, I, maybe not most see, potential, but do you see where, like the maybe, direction I'm headed? I see like maybe six man of the year. You could say like James Harden had the potential to be a better player than he was off the bench. But like, James Harden's kind of an exception when it comes to six man of the war of the year winners that go on to be superstars. It doesn't happen all that often. It's like Jamal Crawford is just really good at creating his own shot and that's it. And like Lou Williams is like really like most six man of the year candidates are just like kind of entrenched as like good players off the bench. It's not often you see like, like there's a six man of the year to, league superstar pipeline that doesn't yeah, really exist. No, I, I, I agree. I, I was just saying that we should totally rebrand the award as a whole. Or just like, get. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just bizarre. The real question, how does one team have two candidates for sixth man of the year? They can't both be the sixth man. And Joe yes, Ingles, one of Joe them Ingles is the seventh man. Barely, <laughs> barely snuck in under the qualifications. I looked it up. Oh, you yeah, what to, are the is it you like you have games? to come off the bench more games than you start? Joe okay. Ingles started 30 games of 72. Okay. Yeah. So he was a starter for half the season and he's still the sixth man. Yeah, of the he's year. basically, yeah. And also there's probably several starters in the league that are better than the sixth man of the year that will never get an accolade because they are good enough to start all the time. It's it's a very bizarre thing. It is. Yeah. It doesn't exactly make sense. But, yeah, it's just the qualifications for six man of the year depend so heavily on which team you play on. Derrick Rose uh, winning or having a chance at six man of the year just if he played for the Pistons, probably would see him starting more. Oh, plays for the Knicks, maybe he comes off the bench more. Totally depends on what team he plays for. And that isn't the case for any other award. Depoy doesn't really matter what team you play for. I mean, it does a little bit, obviously. All those awards factor in what team you play for, but it's based on how well you do six man of the year. You can't even qualify for it if you're right. too good or you're on a team that's so bad that they start you. Yeah. If Jordan Clarkston was on the magic, he's not getting any six man of the year votes because he's like a pretty average starter, but it, because he's yeah. on the jazz, he's going to win an award and have more accolades than Mike Conley does all time now. So, like, oh, oh, Okay. But isn't that the same deal for the, I'm just playing devil's advocate at this point, but isn't that the same deal for MVP? Like winning really. MVP it does depend on who you. Well, play I guess for. it does because if you're on if a really Steph Curry bad team, not the same way. But not if the Steph same Curry, way. if Steph Curry had played for any team that was like a top two or top three seed, he would have won MVP. I don't think so. But maybe I um, mean, if he played, if you I, put Steph on the Lakers, he wouldn't have scored as many points though. Or like if you put him, well, maybe this year's a bad example. If yeah. Well, okay. Well, MVP requires you to like okay. Being a high seed is important. So, yeah, the rest of your team does matter. But six man of the year wants you to be in There's like a, a weird there. sweet There's a ceiling spot where you have to be on a team that is good enough to not need to start you so you can come off the bench and not bad enough so where you start. It's just, I don't know. It's not, it's yeah, not and quite MVP, the same. There's no ceiling with MVP. You can start and be as good as you can be on, on the six man of the year. There's a ceiling there where you can't be that good. Like you, if you are get too good, you can't be six man of the year anymore because you'll start cracking starting lineups. And that's not the case. Like, yes, on MVP, if you play for, you know, some team, no one cares about Charlotte. Uh, you, there's a, there's a, there's a, no, I'm kidding. Uh, there's, I don't know. I always go with the Magic. That's the team that I usually go to when I try to think of a team that absolutely no one cares about. Orlando's the one I fall back on. Sorry, Magic it's fans. It's crazy. Or- Orlando's such like a big city too. I don't think that's, is it? It's like the it's third, like a, third or fourth biggest city in Florida. Okay, Florida's like, Florida has a lot of big cities though. So. It has Miami, then Jacksonville, Tallahassee. I would guess it has Tampa. Disneyland. That's all I know. And a UCF is also in Orlando, I think. Is it? I might be yeah. there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, obviously being on a team like 
the magic would probably limit the exposure. And, but I don't know. I, I've, I, like, like we were talking about earlier, MVP is not always a popularity award as much as people think it is. So, Fair. I mean, the Nuggets no one cared about, really, and Joe Jokic just won. So, All awards kind of require things just going right for you and you being in the right situation. But sixth man of the year, more so than any other award. It's just a bizarre qualification uh, for an award. It's cool. Like, I get it. Um, but I think it's a little dumb. Orlando yes. is the 71st biggest city in the United yes. States. And there are thir- 30 NBA okay. teams. Okay. Anyway, but it's also weird. That up, we were Matt? talking yesterday about how <laughs> da- Damian Lillard won the teammate of the year award. Who votes for that? How does anyone know how good of a teammate anyone is unless you're in every building everywhere? I, I guarantee. You just look at Dame the, like, oh, no, he didn't leave. He's got to be no, the that's greatest what teammate. I was about to say. I, and it's, that's like, the only that's, reason. That's an award that is completely narrative based. Like there's probably some dude on the... <laughs> on like the thunder who's just like the light of everyone's you know time there and everyone loves them and it's like you would never know like how do you how does anyone outside the building know who the best teammate is like why is that an award (laughs) also do you think dame cares about getting the best teammate award like who wants who asked for the best teammate here's here's what's going to be funny right dame just got best teammate award what if he leaves like this offseason he might. He just posts like literally as he's like posting like cryptic Instagram messages about how the team isn't living up to what his like effort is. He's winning the best teammate. It's just teammate. that award struck me as like, what is this? That's the that's another weird one. Although it's not like a big deal like the other ones are. Let me like ask you this Payton. about sixth man of the year then. I don't mean to interrupt you, but who do you actually think should have won it? I think they got it right. I, I don't know. It's it, of all the players who fit the weird sixth man of the year qualifications. I do think that Clarkson probably deserved it, I guess. There's a good argument for Engels being better. He's more efficient, better defender. But Clarkson is off the bench for like a little bit more of a reason. He's off the bench to be the, you know, guy who comes in and leads the second unit or comes in and creates a shot creating angles is just on the bench. Cause that's how like the team works out and he barely fit the qualifications. I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion on it either way. Next year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm talking shit about six man of the year, but next year when campaign is going to win it, it's <laughs> going to be, I'm going to be pounding the table for six man of the year when campaign is uh, the front runner. It's going to be awesome. Campaign. Yes. Anyway, the what were the other awards? Deep Deep Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert for the third time. R- Rudy Gobert is such an interesting legacy because I I just think back to that podcast that Kevin Durant was on with JJ Redick, where he was heavily insinuating that no NBA players actually think Rudy Gobert is all that when it comes to defense. But like statistics and analytics has him as like one of the best defenders of all time. It's, yeah, you were you were saying that yes, we were talking yesterday, and that's exactly what you were saying about how Rudy Gobert is like statistically speaking the greatest defender of all time, and just like I don't know totally if he's the greatest, of, but he is very he's high like, up there. Is, yeah, yeah, statistically the most prolific, at least. And now he's got three depoys. By the end of his career, he'll definitely be in those conversations. I mean, who has three right. depoys? Not not a lot of people. He'll be in the conversations for the best defensive player ever. And you've got guys going on podcasts being like he's he didn't go Durant obviously didn't say Rudy Gobert sucks, but that was the insinuation. You know what it is? Kevin Durant thinks that he is the best player of all time. And I'm not hating on Kevin Durant, but that whole argument is Hezzy tween Twitter, skill-based, I can do all these different things, and that's what makes you a great player. And that's a fine perspective. But then if he were to say that and then turn around and be like, yeah, Rudy Gobert is really awesome, even though Rudy Gobert is not a particularly skilled player, at least not seen as a particularly skilled player, that would kind of clash. So I feel like it's in Kevin Durant's interest, the mindset that he has to consider himself the GOAT, which I think is something that great players should do. Yeah, I was about to say, how many, like, Prolific great players, perennial talent, don't think they're like the greatest ever. I don't know. I, I bet most of them, if they asked who the goat was, they would say probably. I feel like Jordan among NBA players are probably is probably the most like 
prevalent answer to okay, the question. Okay, but like obviously most NBA players aren't in that conversation. If you ask LeBron James who he thinks the greatest basketball player of all time is, do you, you well, think Well, he has, you have, and he says himself, but yeah. Among, among ask, like the top like 0.01%, you Yeah, like get. if you ask Shaq, or like, I'm just saying, if you asked any like Hall of Fame player, I, I guess not any Hall of Fame player, but like you asked Shaq, you asked Kareem, like any of the, if you were to ask guys like that, if you could have asked Wilt, they would they would have all said they're the best. I guess, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Gobert Gobert is an interesting one. Uh, I do think it's tough to give it to Simmons. I don't I don't know. It's Simmons. It was Simmons or Gobert, right? And statistically, Gobert is the, was the better defender, but Simmons is probably who you want. On a, in a one-on-one, but basketball isn't really played one-on-one. So, you know, it's... Gobert probably deserves it, I would say. It's just interesting because he's going to go down as, like, you know, such a legend and he's Rudy Gobert. <laughs> it's, 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 I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's... I get, I, it doesn't sit right with me in some way. For some weird reason, it doesn't quite sit right with me, but I don't, I don't really have a better alternative to, to yeah. give, so... I definitely think with Gobert, uh, the problem that people have arguing against him is that if he wasn't great, the Jazz wouldn't be good. If he wasn't, then it's hard to explain the Jazz being the one seed right now if you think Rudy Gobert is not that good. Um, I don't think my, my thing with Simmons is that he's the guy that will go lock down the number one player on the opposing team, but then every time. The 76ers have somebody drop a bunch of points on them, which is frequent because it happens to everybody almost. Like, you know, every game there's going to be a guy dropping 30 almost, it seems like. It's like, well, he wasn't guarding him for those possessions. But then that kind of doesn't help the narrative that he goes and locks down the number one guy all the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, Simmons finished in second place. I think that's probably fair. Rudy Gobert, just as an interior defender, they have more value. Depoy is pretty consistently... Uh, value-based over skill-based, at least how they decide it. So I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, now, I, I guess I do think do it's, I. I do think it's interesting. We keep talking about voting. KCP got a vote for, I think it was a third-place vote, but he did get a vote for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, there's some analyst out there. I, I've seen it before talking about KCP's defense. He's not a bad defender. I mean, like he's a really good defender, but I don't know about Depoy. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, behind me, normally I have the board of bad takes, but today I have the board of good takes. And Theo, you're going to like this one. I think the Suns are properly poised to win the finals. Well, the way they looked last night and the last four games they've played, I think their point differential is plus 86 in their last four games, which is ridiculous. And, I mean, it's insane. They're a buzzsaw. every, Every role player they have is playing like the best basketball of their life. It's insane. And like Booker is great. Chris Paul is fantastic. But I mean, you get sun scores where it's like their leading scorer will score like 23 points and they'll have like seven players in double figures. They're just so well-rounded right now. They're playing great defense. They're shooting the lights out. If they continue this, like, yeah, they'll win the finals. Like if you, but, the only you look at the is... Lakers team that they played with Anthony Davis hurt, and you look at the Nuggets team they played with Jamal Murray hurt. They're not playing a team like the Nets, right? They're, they are, have gotten fortunate with the opponents they've drawn have in it, these Haven't playoffs. the Nets had injury problems this year? Like yes, the- yes. And if they roll into the finals and the Suns are there, and they're beat up, then yeah, the Suns will win the finals. But if Harden is back, I don't know. It's just the Nuggets and the Lakers in the form that they beat them are not like super elite playoff teams, in my opinion. Now, they're beating them properly. Like if you're playing a team and you just completely outclass them, like that's probably about the equivalent. They're completely outclassing their opponents. But I don't feel like they are just beating up on a team that is good enough for me to be like, yeah, they can beat the Nets. Or even like even the Jazz or the Clippers in the next round, because that is there is a big gulf between the Jazz and the caliber of team they've been destroying. That, that that's fair, and I think there's also the issue of is this level of play sustainable? Because you talk about they have guys off the bench who are playing the best basketball of their lives, 
are they going to play that throughout the rest of the playoffs? Because you still have to get to the conference finals and then go into the finals. Yeah. And you have to win multiple, you have to win a lot of games. Yeah. But it's only, I mean, it is only like six games into, they only need to win six more games to win the finals. I mean, that's such a short stretch where I think that they can keep up the high level of play that they're playing right now, at least for that long. They're really clicking. Yeah. I don't think they're going to win the finals. I don't um, either, but they could get I, there though. They could get there. That's probably the best that they can do. Out The dream scenario would just be all the injuries line up for the Suns. That's kind of the level of contending team that they are right now. Uh, they're very good, uh, but they're a Jazz, Clippers, uh, Nuggets level team where it's like you need everything to break your way. And so far it has. So far yeah, they're playing kind of, a Nuggets kind of like team Toronto that is starting two years ago. A little, a little bit, bit like Toronto, like Toronto ago, yeah. a couple of years ago. That would probably be a pretty like, good series. A healthy, yeah, a healthy Suns team versus a healthy Toronto team from that year. Yeah, that would probably be a pretty good series. But and it's not impossible to think of a scenario where the Suns win the finals where everybody stays healthy on their team and they all keep playing at this level. They'll beat the Nuggets uh, and then they face the Jazz or the Clippers, a beatable team. I don't think they need injury luck there. But then you go up against the Nets. I just I can't see how they beat Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie. So if you're the Suns, I mean, I think their easiest path to winning it all is going up against the Nets. Harden isn't quite right, like his hamstring's still bothering him then, which might be a stretch to say that it does. And then something happens to Katie or Kyrie, who are both very injury-prone players. I don't mean to say that as like, oh, I I, I hope. The Nets get hurt. Yeah. I don't. I no, think it's yeah. lame um, that they don't have all three of their guys because it's fun to watch them when they do. Yeah. But yeah, I think the awesome. only the only team with a shot to beat the Nets, who the, a healthy Nets, obviously, if all the Nets are hurt, anyone can beat the Nets. But I think the Clippers are the only team that has any kind of shot, like talent wise. And I don't even think that's like likely. I think they match up the well Clippers defensively. Are, the Clippers are kind of screw ups, I guess. So the Clippers, I think, are the only team that I see with like the raw f- talent of PG and Kawhi at their peak who would have any kind of shot. And even them, I'm like 2% chance that that, ha- that would happen. I, I find it really hard to think like Paul George just isn't quite there. He's not terrible, but he's just too many off nights. That's not going to work against the Nets. I don't think the Clippers are particularly well coached. I kind of like the Suns odds against the Nets better. At least I feel like they have guys who step up in the big moments or more guys that step up in the big moments and they're better coached. I can see that. I like to hear that. I said I would go back to Phoenix. My friends in Phoenix, I said, if the Suns, because right now I'm, I'm my job at the Berry Farm and I, I'm going to go fly back to college after that's done or drive back, I guess. I'm going to have to drive. But I said I would go back to Phoenix if they make the finals and I'll go hang out there and watch the finals there. And I'm scared I'm going to go down there and just watch the Suns get obliterated by the Nets, but I did say I would go back, but I'm, I'm a hey, little bit nervous. I'm going to, I, I'm gonna I fly would go down there watch. If the Browns just, go to the Super Bowl, I'm going. And I don't care the Super, if we get, well, blown. I'm not going to the finals games. I would just go oh, down okay. there to like okay, watch the, the finals with my son's fans, friends. The Hornets made the finals. I'd, I'd do everything I could to go for sure. That's what I'm saying. I don't care if we get blown it's out by right. 50. If the Browns go to the Super Bowl, I'm at that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe I could try to find a way to get into the finals, but like that's pretty expensive. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a big <laughs> Suns fan. I'm, I'm really hard way, for the Suns. Man. I don't know if I'm gonna drop like four hundred dollars to see them get play the Nets in the finals, but I, I will go down to Phoenix and like watch from my neighboring sports bar of, of the state. Let me know if the if the Suns are winning, like they're winning the series in the finals. Will you try and make a game? Well, if they were winning the se- series in the finals, they, the tickets would even get more expensive so maybe i could try to lobby i maybe i could try to lobby someone (laughs) to like venmo me money for a ticket and someone some people would do it but i don't know but it would be it would be a really fun experience because the phoenix fans and the the stadium there is rocking right now i mean you watch these suns home games and they're going crazy so it would be really awesome to see a suns finals game but i'm also like i said i would feel like a little bit of a poser because i've only been rooting for the suns (laughs) for like this is my second season now that seat should probably go to someone who like has endured the like decade of mediocrity. I also feel like like that a little bit. I don't know. Part of it to me just feels like the Suns are having one of those special seasons 
that a team will have every once in a while. Uh, he, where every, yeah, Raptors, the Heat had just yeah. a special season last year. The Suns are just having that special season, but I, I just don't love them against a healthy Nets team. I feel bad for the Nuggets. Uh, Compazzo and Austin Rivers, and Austin Rivers is not playing bad, but I mean, they're in the playoffs starting a guy who was, was on the street, bought out and on the street for months. Right. Um, and even though he has stepped up and played pretty well, that's just tough. They just yeah. don't have the gas on offense. And Michael Porter Jr. just isn't consistent enough yet. Yeah. There's some games where he's really good and the confidence is always there. And I think he's going to get to the point where he's it, an awesome playoff option, but it's just not quite there yet. His defense is also super, super questionable right now. There are times when he'll supposed to be guarding his guy on the wing and he'll just like drift inside and they'll throw it to the corner and there's wide open threes. His defense is like, big problem right now and he's what six foot ten he's huge yeah like, and that's he tough be... because they should be able to start him at the four he's big enough where you want you're like oh, i wish i could put him at the four and that would make everything really easy for the nuggets and it's like okay then you have to put him at the three because you can't have him inside because Jokic also isn't fantastic inside he's not bad but i don't I know the nuggets are see a re- i could definitely see a reality for mpj where it's little ben simmonsy where he just like is always like lauded and always like is a very good player but there's like always kind of this this mythology to him that I I don't there's a lot of things wrong with him in terms of inconsistencies and defense and I wonder if he's going to like totally figure those things out or if he'll always kind of be like stay at about the same level of good and you kind of wonder well he could be even better I I I get this feeling with him that he might be kind of destined for that path but I that's just total speculation by me yeah, I mean, I think as a whole, people overrate potential. Potential only matters if the player is getting better. Right. If they're not yeah. getting better, their potential doesn't mean anything. You know, it's like, okay, well, Ben Simmons could be the best player in the world because he's such an amazing defender and he's such an amazing athlete and he's such an amazing passer if he had ridiculous handles and could shoot 40% from three, but he doesn't. I don't mean right. to hate on Ben Simmons. That's just like the first example that came yeah. to mind. No, that's... That's probably the example that came to all of our minds when you yeah. think of potential. So, yeah, the next step for the Nuggets here, like, yeah, they, they it should be a better series than it, than it is right now. The Nuggets and the Suns should be like a heavyweight fight. But right now it's just, it's, I mean, Jokic is doing what he can. And, but the Suns are just so hot right now playing a pretty, de- played two depleted teams in a row. Um, so, yeah, I hope the Suns make the finals. Obviously, I think they can make the finals. I think they can beat. I think they look like the best team le- left in the West. I don't think that you can say the Jazz look better. I don't think you can say the Clippers look better. Um, so I guess they should be the favorites to get to the finals. But the Nets are just so <laughs> damn good, and yeah. they're even I, without I would put, Harden. They look I would like put a healthy team. Nets team against any team that's ever been created. I mean, it's it's ridiculous the amount of firepower they have. So I still got the Nets winning pretty easily. I know we were talking about like the butts, Bucks might, butts. <laughs> they're playing like the Butts right now. The Bucks might have a chance against them and their lineup matches up as well as anyone would against the Nets team. But I mean, they're getting obliterated too. So it's, it'll probably be the Nets. Yeah. And I'm not a Nets hater, but it is a little disappointing to just say, I mean, we're in the second round and it's hard to imagine anything else happening other than the Nets winning at all. I guess the 76ers could be a problem. Maybe if Ben Simmons can do really well against Kevin Durant uh, and Embiid can really go off because I don't think they have anybody who can guard Embiid. But even then, I just don't know. They've had Giannis on Kevin Durant for a, a significant portion and it just hasn't mattered. Giannis can't guard KD. At all. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. It hasn't mattered. They put Giannis on KD and he just like can't hang. I like Ben think, Simmons' odds better against Kevin Durant than I like Giannis's, but yeah, Giannis isn't like Giannis, Giannis is a good defender. Giannis is yeah, a very good defender, but <laughs> he's not bad. But he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> but do you think going into Giannis, just quick thing, Giannis or Anthony, has has this series changed how you feel about Giannis or the Bucks or or really like maybe Giannis isn't you know, someone who can lead a team to the finals. And I like, I didn't want to believe it after last year. I thought it was a little bit of an overreaction, but you know, it keeps happening. It's kind of a pattern. 
I don't know. I, I, I can, I'm a little bit more open to the idea of an overrated Giannis after this, but I don't I mean, know the, if I would quite say it. The lame yeah. answer is I'd rather have Giannis on my team because he can stay healthy. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's a tough one. It's very. I tough. think pe- people are going to say Giannis no matter what. I, I think I and I do think I'd rather have Giannis. Part of it is just the Bucks are a regular season team. They try very hard in the regular season, and the Nets don't. They don't care. It didn't matter to them. And then they yeah. come out in the playoffs. The Nets are ready. The Bucks they just look all over the place. Like we're sitting here saying, does this change your opinion on Giannis? But if Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton could play up to the standard we know that they should, um, we probably wouldn't be saying the same thing. Part of it is, though, that it just feels like Giannis isn't getting – he didn't get involved in game two. Game one, he played very well. Game two, I didn't love it. Um, But not being a high-level perimeter shot creator as a superstar is always going to be a little wonky. Even the centers like Joel Embiid and Jokic have a perimeter game. Giannis – not really. And you got to respect him for taking the threes and trying to improve at it. But it hasn't, he hasn't really gotten better yet. And every time he takes a three, it hurts his team. Right. And even a mid ranger, like if you have a superstar who's like at the top of the, at like, you know, at the free throw line and he's open, you expect him to hit it. Right. You expect the superstar to be able to convert those opportunities. And, a decent way to defend Giannis still is let him shoot, which is weird for a superstar. It is. It yeah. really is. And that's not something that exists with Jokic. That's not something that exi- exists with Anthony Davis. It is something that exists with Giannis. And it does, it makes him easier to defend in my, in my, it, it does. And it obviously, if he was better at other things, he would be harder to defend. But like, it is, it is a major, it is a major thing at this point where it's like, well, you know, you yeah. can just kind of, yeah. It, I think it comes down to it's hard to run the offense through somebody who can't shoot. Right. Exactly. Because they just, they don't have a full range of options there. Looking back on it, I think the mistake that the Bucks made, and maybe you'd have to go look at how the money would have exactly worked. But I remember last offseason thinking the Bucks need to go all in to get Chris Paul. I know that might seem like revisionist history, but I swear to God at the time, that's what I was thinking because (laughs) Drew Holiday is a good player. He's a very good player. He is not leading the offense of a championship level team. And Giannis, there's just some times in the playoffs where Giannis can't quite do it. And having Chris Paul would take so much pressure off him. I mean, pick and rolls with Giannis and Chris Paul would be crazy. You could do all sorts yeah. of different the lobs, stuff. The the alley-oops <laughs> would be... Chris Paul's passing IQ is off the charts. It's just his game IQ. When it's like five minutes left in the game and like the way he holds it, and the, it's like having a ref on your team. It's like yeah. having a coach out there. It's it's really fun and, to watch. And that's exactly it, what the Bucks need right now because their pacing makes no sense at all. I was literally watching Chris Paul and the way that he controls the floor at all times is it's a perfect combination of like totally patient. But when it's time to go, the ball is gone and he just he controls everything. He facilitates so well. I don't know. I I definitely feel like you obviously can run the offense to be honest. I don't want to make it out like I'm saying you can't do that. You can. It's just that there are times in the playoffs where they're going to challenge Giannis or teams are going to figure out, hey, we're going to do this and this and this, and we're going to make it tough on Giannis to just drive in on us. And then running the offense through him gets very difficult. And then Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, great players. They're not quite that guy like Chris Paul is. I don't know what the next steps for the Bucks are. I don't think that there's a move that gets them any better. They committed to Drew Holiday. I think what you're hoping is Giannis continues to become better as a shooter. But we're kind of getting to the point where yeah, is this going to happen? Right, right. Uh, and I think you fire Bud, and you hope that the next guy who comes in won't try to match the Nets' pace for no reason because they're just <laughs> they're running down there. And we saw the same pull, thing with just Nuggets. Pull after like as soon as they cross half half court, they just will like pull a three. It's like yeah, what it's just, are they're, you doing? I mean, they're going way too fast. And we saw the same thing Nuggets Suns game too. Both teams are just making as many mistakes as possible, at least in the second quarter. 
just going as quick as they can. And I don't get it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe they know something I don't. Would you have, I would hire Chris Paul as a coach for the team right now. Like if, if you just <laughs> wanted to coach and not play, I'd be like, yeah, you can get whatever you want. That He's, would hurt the Suns. I can't lie. It would hurt the Suns. But like, yeah. like once he retires, I would hire him as my coach. I would be like, how much money do you want? I just want like Chris Paul in the building telling people what to do. I and that's the way it, that that's probably going to happen. Cause that's the way Jason uh, yeah. Kidd is. Yeah. That's the way Steve Nash is. Um, LeBron's going to own the team and uh, he's going to hire Chris Paul as his head coach. Yeah, they're going to have the banana boat squad will finally all get together as a coaching <laughs> staff on some on the Cavaliers when LeBron buys them. With Bronny Jr. as the point guard. As, as, yeah, as his son is the point guard. That, that is that is LeBron's final vision. Oh, one more thing, but then we'll wrap it up. What do you take of LeBron moving from number 23 to number six? I think it's kind of silly. Like, I like it. <laughs> I don't care either. It's, well, I do care. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, like, what is he like? I don't know. Everyone's like, oh, here comes LeBron. He's, he's a new number now. It's like <laughs> Miami it's LeBron. Like masks, mask LeBron. Like now, I think no, he just he's wanted to like wear a different number. Yeah. I think, yeah. well, I think the mindset is like, I just lost and now I'm like really sick. Miami LeBron is, is no, back. It's like, you're 37, dude. <laughs> Miami LeBron is not coming back because you changed your number. He, no, he tried man, to change it last back. year and he wasn't allowed to. Yeah. I wonder what changed. Uh, it's because when he first moved to LA, they make a bunch of jerseys and then you can't change it after one year. The same thing's happening in the NFL. I don't, I think whoever makes the jerseys, they can't have people change after only having a season or they have so many extra jerseys made that if the player changes and they don't give them prep ahead of time, then they're going to be stuck with all these extra jerseys. So last season, LeBron wanted to do it and Nike basically told him like, no, you have to oh, stay in this jersey for another okay. year so we can sell the rest and then you can change. Right. And now that that year's passed, he's going to six. The, the Packers have a guy named Darnell Savage and he was number 26 and he still is number 26. But after they traded HaHa Clinton Dix, who's number 21, Savage was going to change his number to 21 and it would have been 21 Savage, but Nike wouldn't oh, let him do that, it. That, that would have been cold bad. though. That would have been cold. It would have been, but Oh my gosh. Anyway, I think that does it for us here today. Uh, thank you guys for all watching. Reminder that we do have a mailbag by voicemail at 614-349-8050. You can call, leave us a voicemail, and we'll probably do a mailbag episode here soon. Uh, you can also email us at stayhotpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a comment in the YouTube and we can find it that way. Again, thank you guys all for watching. Y'all have a good one. Catch you on the flippity flop. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.